you there? Yo. What's going on, man? How's it going? I'm uh, getting ready for a wedding in Europe. Uh, so I'm going to be gone for about a week and then just games from abroad. Um, so excited for the trip. You're not going to be making that to be exciting uh, preseason exhibitions with Phoenix and Minnesota. No, I I wish I was, but this is one of my good buddies <laughs> from college, <laughs> so uh, couldn't couldn't miss it. There you go, man. Well, thank you for popping on here. I really appreciate it. Of course. Um. You obviously put out a pretty big story with The Athletic um, this week about the Lakers basically internally coming to, I don't know, I'm curious what your read on it was because certain people will say that they're on like the one yard line of, of proposing two picks, the 2027 and 2029 unprotected to the Lakers. I, I got a text from someone at one point over the weekend before training camp started saying that the Lakers are thinking about going to, which it's, it's silly, right? How we're, when you're so in the weeds of this transaction game, you know, there's the meeting happening and what happens in the meeting and what doesn't get communicated to the other team, but the other team hears about it and all that type of stuff. Just, I guess, how, how close do you think, this deal actually really was to getting done or was there even really the 27 and the 29 picks actually put on the table to Indiana? Because I I never was under the impression that the Pacers were under the impression that they were getting close to having that offer available to them. Yeah. Well, as you laid out, um, I think it it was to, to, my knowledge and, and, you know, the, the knowledge of us as a group, it was at the one yard line internally. There was no formal request or, or reach out to the Pacers, but I had been reporting for, you know, a couple months now that that week heading into training camp was the time to watch the Lakers because I had heard early in the summer that, um, you know, if they don't get something done by like July, you know, August is kind of the dead time. Everyone goes on vacation and, you know, that they're going to reevaluate the roster heading into training camp. And that's essentially what happened here, where, you know, that week prior to, to training camp, uh, they, they sat down and had conversations about, you know, how good just the roster construction, how good the team is, their, their ceiling, their floor. And I, I think they came to the conclusion that it was best to revisit the, the Pacers situation and that they felt that that trade could upgrade the roster and you know, provide some shooting with, with Heald and Turner and then also uh, some you know, better interior defense with, with Turner. And, uh, you know, both guys are, are younger and, and could fit, um, you know, a, a better timeline with, with the next iteration of the Lakers roster. So um, there was, you know, several internal meetings about this. 
uh, at one point, you know, to, to your point about getting text, you know, that there was several hours there where, you know, we were hearing that it was essentially agreed upon internally that, you know, we are going to propose this to Indiana and all summer and all of our iterations of, of trade talks, Indiana, you know, the, their one ask has been, we want both picks. And, you know, even if it was miles by himself or, or buddy, like it always came back to, they want two picks for any rust trade. So, um, you know, the, the Lakers with that knowledge, were having that kind of an, an internal struggle of, is it worth going all in, for this deal like does it elevate us enough and and there was some split uh between members of you know the the key decision makers of you know yes it's worth it and and no it's not but i I think temporarily they came to a consensus of yes and and that is when you know there was a point during the weekend where i thought it was a formality that this was going to happen um but ultimately they you know there was some pushback I guess at the one yard line, they, they pivoted, decided that there was not a consensus and it was not, uh, you know, time to make that move. And as of now, you know, their stance is, um, you know, we want to see what Russ looks like. We, we want to see if we can make it work. And if it can't, there's always potentially the Indiana deal, but there's also, you know, uh, if a team like Chicago gets off to a rough start because of this Lonzo situation, like, is a DeMar DeRozan available? Is a Zach Levine av- uh, available? Uh, is there another team that underachieves out the gate and, you know, 20, 25 games in already looks like they're, they're going to be a lottery team and, uh, you know, maybe a, a disgruntled star becomes available. So I think the Lakers are, are looking more at, you know, can we get uh, a, a bigger chip and, and, you know, can we get a, a better player than a Miles Turner or a Buddy Heald? Um, because I, I think they think that package will still be there most likely if they are willing to put the two picks on the table. So uh, I think right now it's, it's a, a TBD situation as it's kind of been the last few months, but um, there was definitely a point during the weekend when, you know, fr- from what we were hearing, it sounded like a done deal that they were going to make the offer. Obviously it was on, contingent on Indiana to accept the offer, but they had been telling the Lakers all summer that they were going to need two picks. And if the Lakers made the offer, I, I think, they were confident that Indiana would have accepted it. Yeah, I think that's kind of the next point I was going to get to. From my understanding, if that offer was formally brought and formally, you know, it's tricky talking about the actual machinations of this stuff because, you know, trade calls are not, you know, we are formally offering, that's not how it works. But in terms of legitimately communicating to the other side, hey, we're willing to put these two picks on the table. I definitely am of the understanding, have been of the understanding, if the two picks were there, Indiana would have accepted it and, and, and maybe still would moving forward. Um, and I, you know, sorry to, uh, sorry to break it to the Lakers front office executives or whoever might be hoping this can happen with Chicago. I don't think Zach Levine's going to be coming available anytime soon, but the DeMar DeRozan tier of guys, I mean, I, I do think they're hoping that. Russ can kind of rebuild some trade value here. I don't think they're I mean, not, not not much is going to change between now, now and the trade that Russell Westbrook isn't going to magically develop into a 40% three point shooter. He's not going to, his contract isn't going to change. His age isn't going to change. I don't think there's going to be dramatic shifts in what his market will look like, but if he does end up, 
being more of a complimentary role player. I know your article talked a lot about him being uh, a screener and, and, and being an on-ball screener and being a willing defender and stuff like that. Maybe maybe then there there does, you know, become more of a lubricant to get a deal done. But, I mean, it's going to have to take to, – to any deal that's going to move Russell Westbrook out, I've been saying this since July from, from everything I've heard, any deal that's going to both send him out of Los Angeles and bring back players of value that's going to help the Lakers in their title quest is going to cost two first round picks. It's just that is going to be the bare like the bare minimum of you know the cost of doing business, right? Yeah, yeah, and that that that's uh, you know we're we're definitely on the same page there. From you know what I've heard, I, I've been saying that all summer as well. Like I, I just don't. You know, like you can never say never, and, and there's always a, a you know a possibility that they end up making a deal where they they include one first and and you know two seconds or a first and a pick swap or something. But for the most part, the the intel I've heard all summer has been any conversation they have with any potential suitor, you know, immediately goes to we want both firsts to take on Russ, and you know, that's just been the state of. Uh, his value. I mean, that there's several factors of you know just the, the sheer uh, you know number of the contract, but but also then you have to decide: is he a part of the team? You know, do we buy him out? Do we waive him? Um, can we flip him down the road? Like, do we send him? Like, what you know, what do we do with him? Um, and you know, right now, most of the conversations they've had have not been you know, th- those teams have not been looking to acquire Russ for basketball reasons. They've been acquire you know looking to acquire Russ for the two picks and for potentially shedding some unwanted salary. But, uh, you know, also to your point, the Lakers have been really reluctant to take on, um, you know, multi-year deals and especially for players that they don't feel like fit their timeline. So I think it's, you know, their, their list of demands um, is very high. You know, there's several things that, you know, that they want to get better. They also don't want to take, long-term money the bankers are being and choosers. they don't want to give up the two picks and it's just it, it's going to be hard to check all three of those boxes very hard and i'm curious so i want to shift it over to the, the package in theory coming back for indiana here because buddy healed has obviously been a player on the lakers and rob palinka's wish list dating back to last offseason when the rust deal went down a very infamous moment where Certain factions of Lakers personnel were talking deal with Sacramento while the Wizards deal with Russ was also coming together. Um, I mean, depending on who you talk to, you will get conflicting information on exactly what was going down. But nonetheless, here we are. And I mean, I think I reported this at the time. I'm sure on a show here or there, even after Buddy Heald went to Indiana as part of that DeMontis Sabonis deal, the Lakers from everything I was told, contacted Indiana about acquiring him at the deadline last year as well. He's clearly someone that the front office has interest in. The shooting is is obviously something that the Lakers are in dire need of around the three players, if Russell Westbrook is still in the fold moving forward, but especially around LeBron and AD. And Miles Turner, I mean, the fit is a little more wonky, but he does provide some outside shooting. The rim protection is there. I want to ask you, because it's been kind of conflicting what I've heard, which guy the Lakers have 
greater interest in going out and acquiring because clearly Miles Turner is the overall better player, right? Buddy Heal is not exactly yeah. a defensive savant, um, but he, in theory, is an easier plug and play, you know, fit with these two big big pieces that the Lakers do have. And Miles is going to be commanding a big payday. Is, is there one guy that, from your understanding, is higher on their their wish list? From my understanding, it is Miles Turner. Um, and, you know, I, I think there, there definitely are reservations, you know, from, from their side on, on both guys of, you know, is Buddy a 16-game player? Can his defense hold up? Um, you, you know, he's not much of a ball handler, playmaker. Like, if we are trading Russ, um, you know, obviously the, the shooting is is infinitely better. But, you know, how, how does that? change our offensive dynamic and just in terms of, you know, North South uh, going downhill, uh, you know, ball handling, playmaking, like that's putting a lot on, uh, you know, Kendrick Nunn who just missed the full season or Dennis Schroeder who struggled last year um, and looked, you know, potentially out of the league to to start this season. Uh, Patrick Beverly, who, um, you know, I I think has been an underrated offensive player, but isn't necessarily that, you know, kind of ball dominant, playmaker that that you want out there uh, Austin Reeves who showed some flashes at the end of last season but I don't know if he's ready to, to be a full-time ball handler so I, I think there, there's definitely some some ball handling concerns w- with that swap for them and then also w- with Miles you know I, I think looking at he's going to be an unrestricted free agent um, I, I know they would have some interest in extending him but I, I think that the intel they've gotten back is that uh you know, he wants to most likely test unrestricted free agency and, you know, he can yeah. make more money that way. And um, so I think there's there's some concern there of like, is Miles potentially a, you know, one year rental and we're, we're kind of going all in for like one year. And, and because we're taking back, you know, Buddy, who, who has, you know, is on a contract for the, the following season we're not going to have that full cap space that we would have had, had we just done a deal with like Utah and wiped the books clean, potentially depending on who they got back. So I think for them, there's some hesitation on, you know, the, the, the miles fit with AD and, um, and LeBron and like, you know, do we want to make our, our three highest paid players if we do resign miles, you know, kind of essentially big men, you know, because that's where LeBron is played more often than not. Um, you know, especially last season. Uh, so I think for, for them, that they're, you know, looking just at the league landscape of wings and guards and, and perimeter-oriented basketball, um, I think th- there's some hesitation of saying, like, our, you know, big three or, or three highest-paid guys are going to be LeBron, AD, and Miles Turner. But I think overall, again, um, you know, th- they do like the basketball fit. I think there's some – I think everyone agrees – there's a consensus that it's an upgrade, but is it worth the two picks? And, and does it get them into clear cut contender, you know, status that that's where I think that the disagreements are. Um, and, and certainly some people internally value those picks and, and look at the value of just, we, we can't trade away basically all our tradable picks through the rest of the decade. And then also, you know, um, yes, this upgrades us, but we're still behind the Warriors and the Clippers and the Celtics and the Bucks and the Sixers and, and maybe a couple other teams. So I think that there, there's a lot of that internal debate going on, uh, debate going on. But from my understanding, it, it is Miles, you know, more so than Buddy. But I, they do view them on, I think, similar footing. Yeah, Miles 
has a very he's honestly to me one of the intriguing players heading into this season being that he is extension eligible obviously ahead of his upcoming free agency next summer and from the multiple people around him around the pacers this off season up the summer i mean he clearly is excited about the opportunity of being the starting center in indiana this year separate of devonta sabonis being there he's been looking for and and is ready to relish being lone big man in that front court although it does sound like galen smith is is going to be their star forward who is another big man and maybe there'll be another twin towers like situation but at least in that scenario he will be clearly like the big man right like sabonis was a multi-time all-star yeah. sabonis was the guy a lot of the touches were, were being run through. There were not a lot of there never really have been plays called for Miles Turner in Indiana. Um and I think he's excited about being there, potentially, you know, starting out a bunch of, you know, building blocks with Tyrese Halberton and growing alongside of him and maybe showcasing to the pieces for office and not other all twenty nine other teams. Um, what he's capable of doing alongside Tyrese Halliburton and potentially getting a massive payday to be the big man next to Tyrese Halliburton. But he does just want to get paid. And, and obviously that's, this is a business and that is what most guys goals are and what their objectives are heading into this type of season. So that's going to be the biggest challenge for any team, let the Lakers or, you know, Charlotte's been linked to him in the past. I know Minnesota looked at him before Rudy Gobert, uh, that Rudy Gobert trade. And even a team like Toronto that's been linked to centers. And you go down the list of whoever will ultimately one day want to look at Miles Turner, they're going to have to, between now and February, decide whether or not the, the payday that he's going to want, they're going to be willing to, to, to give that to him. Um, that's, that's, just good. that's just the ultimate context around any trade scenario with him and we haven't, we just haven't seen him in uh, a situation like we will this year. Um, so let's just get to questions. Now we've got a limited time with Yovan today and we've got a bunch of people in the queue. So let's get to it with a regular Shay. What's going on. What's up guys. What's up, Yovan? Thanks for doing this. Um, yeah. I just had a couple of questions first. I was going to ask a question to, Jake at large about the NBA and the Warriors and then how that can kind of maybe tie into the Lakers. So from the Warriors perspective, have you heard anything about extensions for Wiggins or Poole? And then I thought a really interesting point in your article, Yovan, was um, a really small detail when you're talking about the Lakers don't view Kyrie Irving as part of their plans for the summer of 2023. So what are their other options like who are they looking at from that free agent class and maybe they have interest in like Jordan Poole restricted free agency or Andrew Wiggins unrestricted free agency and why did they come to the process of like not being interested in Kyrie after we heard so much about from the Kyrie front in the beginning parts of the summer <laughs> thank you Sean. uh yeah <laughs> there, there's a lot there um I think the 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 stance on on Kyrie what was a more recent switch with, with, with them. Um, you know, we, we know that they were pursuing him earlier in the summer. Um, th- there is some mixed intel on how those conversations, you know, how, how close those conversations actually got and, and what was actually offered. Um, you know, I, I think that the Lakers at one point were considering 
uh, offering both picks, but ultimately d- decided not to. Um, you know, and, and there was some feelers out there when Kyrie was deciding whether to opt into his player option or not. And and I think that was when the, the kind of Kyrie to LA buzz was the the highest. But um, e- even after that, there there was still you know some possibility of them trading for him. And I think a lot of it was tied up in the Kevin Durant situation. Uh, but in, in terms of why, I think you know there, there's just. I mean, if you just look at the way things have kind of played out with him recently, I, I think there is some, uh, you know, as he said on media day, kind of uncertainty surrounding him. And, and I, I think that's scared them off a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think given his relationship with LeBron and, and the success that they've had in the past, I, I would never 100% rule out a, a Kyrie to LA uh, scenario, especially with, um, you know, the, the mutual interest that was there earlier in the summer. But the intel that we got from multiple people uh, within the organization was that as of now, it's, it's not like they're saving their cap space for Kyrie or, or that, you know, there's this grand plan to land Kyrie. Um, we, we didn't really get any intel on, on who exactly they're targeting. I, I think, you know, I think there's still obviously the possibility that they, they make a Russ trade and, and potentially depending on who they trade for that could eat into that cap space. Like, if they do the Indiana deal, you know, that's 19 million uh, on the books from Buddy Heald. That's essentially going to, you know, cut over half of their cap space uh, next summer. So I think for, for them, they're, they're, you know, kind of taking it day by day and, and evaluating the situation and, and what's out there. Um, I think their preference would be to make some type of move between now and the trade deadline. And, you know, there is a realistic chance that, any move you know most moves they make are, are probably going to cut into their cap space so i think they're actually probably preparing more to not have cap space um you know if, if they make a move uh but that, that's still i think it's it's still kind of up in the air what exactly they're going to do uh, again you know they, they were close to trading rust but for now they're, they're kind of standing pat so uh we, we haven't gotten any great intel on you know, specific targets of who they're looking at next summer uh, because also some of these guys, I mean, as you're kind of saying, like we don't know what's going to happen with Jordan Poole and, and with Andrew Wiggins, like those guys, you know, could both get resigned, you know, most likely just one will be resigned and, and one will be a free agent. So I think th- they're monitoring all of that, but I mean, really, if you look at the 2023 free agent class, it's not that great. And I, I think that's the the other thing they're they're kind of monitoring of like, it might be actually, you know, more advantageous for them to make a trade and secure a star, you know, via trade versus hoping that someone signs with them next summer when really looking at the class, it's it's not that strong, especially now that a guy like Tyler Hero is out. Like, you really look at it, there aren't many, you know, Chris Middleton, I, I would assume, is, is staying in Milwaukee. And, like, you just go down the list, a lot of those guys are probably resigning or aren't really moving the needle for them. So I think for them, they're still, you know, most likely looking to upgrade via trade. Uh, and then if they get to, you know, if they keep Russ through the season and they get to free agency, then they'll evaluate who's available. But uh, we haven't heard any specific names, but but the one thing we heard was that w- with Kyrie, they've cooled on that and, and there no longer is um, necessarily a plan to try to sign him next summer. Things could have also changed dramatically since they were back in July, right? Even August where... It's kind of kumbaya, but then everyone's back, everyone's healthy. They're trying to build this thing forward. Kyrie, I think, has clearly started to communicate internally and 
what have you, that he's going to be kind of a good soldier and has every incentive to do so with his pay, potential payday coming up. And as he saw forecasting the marketplace this summer, the Lakers included, it does seem like his best chance to get long-term money is still with Brooklyn. So I think that's also part of the things there. In terms of Golden State with Poole, I mean, look, Jordan Poole, by all, everything I've heard, by all accounts, like the Warriors aren't going to let him walk. Like, sure, is it going to be tricky cap gymnastics to extend both of him and Andrew Wiggins? Yes, but Poole is restricted. And if you're going to have to throw the, the biggest offer possible to make the Warriors second guess matching it, and I would be floored if they didn't. Um, in terms of the timing on those guys finding new contracts, I honestly don't have any information on that. I haven't checked on it of late, um, but it doesn't sound like that's something that is make or break versus, you know, the heat Tyler hero situation like that one. I, I forget if it was here on a show as a guest where I talked about this in, in, in the recent weeks, like I was un, under strong impression that he was going to get extended no matter what coming up against the October debt or the, whatever the deadline is. I, I used to be October 31st, moved everything up. Is it the 15th? I don't know off the top of my head. I apologize. Um, but, you know, the Heat reward their guys. He wanted to get rewarded. He was going to get that deal. That wasn't me. The Warriors, I, I just, I don't have a read on that, right? I haven't asked. So I'm sorry I can't bring that um, to you. But, I mean, they do really love Andrew Wiggins. I was watching. Uh, the beginning of the Western Conference Finals in Chicago with a bunch of Warriors staffers and the, the enthusiasm about how Wiggins really turned himself into being the ultimate role player. He was, I mean, inarguably their second best and most consistent player throughout the finals. And the Warriors do love the continuity. So from what, what, what I've heard in the past, I, I fully expect them to try to keep this group as intact as possible. Um, but yeah, the, the cap is going to make it very difficult to do so. Um, Anthony, what's going on? Hey, uh, thank you all for having me. Um, uh, do you guys hear me? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. Oh, good. Oh, good. Um, just had some couple of questions here, uh, but honestly, a great article, Joan, I kind of read through it, but there was one part that I wanted to ask and it was the, that was kind of like unclear. It was the Memphis situation in terms of the draft compensation uh, draft kind of like this two for one situation that uh, uh, something of, of, of the sorts. I'm not sure what that was gleaning into, like if they were going to be a third team involved or just straight up, like, I don't even know how, how's that possible. And um, the secondary question is just like, as has there been news in terms of Dennis Schroeder and his availability for tomorrow's game? Uh, no, no update on Dennis yet. Um, from what we were told a couple of days ago, uh, it sounds like, you know, they're trying to get him into, uh, America and, and handle the, the visa issues this week and that there was a chance he would be joining them in Las Vegas. Uh, so the Lakers are having shoot around tomorrow morning. So we'll have a better idea uh, about it then. And then w with regard to the Memphis situation, uh, that actually was not my piece of intel. Um, so on, on something like this, we, we all come together and, you know, share kind of what we have and, and we collaborate and we had a big doc where first it was kind of our notes and then we, we piece stuff together and we're able to cross, uh, you know, source and, and cross confirm different, uh, you know, pieces of information and then, you know, wrote a story. So 
I actually didn't have intel on the Memphis stuff, so I, I don't really want to speak on that. Um, what I can say, though, is that in, in general, you know, for the Lakers, there was an incentive to add in a, a third team and make really any rust trade a, a three-team deal because in that case, you potentially could save an asset because there's another team involved. So, for example, I know, you know be, before the Donovan Mitchell trade, there had been conversations with uh, the, the Jazz and, and the Knicks about a potential three-team trade, it, you know, the Lakers joining as the third team in a Donovan Mitchell deal, and potentially even Charlotte joining as the fourth team in a Donovan Mitchell deal. And in that case, the Lakers, uh, you know, in those iterations, Lakers would have only been giving up one pick uh, to, uh, I believe, the Jazz. And so, like, in, there, there was some incentive to add in another team to potentially bring in additional assets to, to kind of offset the Lakers having to include two picks. But ultimately, as Jake and I have been saying, like, it, it still was pretty tricky because no matter what, you know, everyone wants those two picks and, and just the potential value that those could have at the end of the decade, depending on, the, on, on how the rest of the decade goes for the Lakers, like, those are, are two of the most valuable assets in the league right now in terms of draft capital. So I think that, you know, it, of, of course, as, as we said, like, you know, formal talks and, and whatnot, like it, it is kind of unclear sometimes how close something gets. But, you know, the Lakers were doing their best to, to you know, act as a third team in other deals or in their own deals trying to add in a third team because in that case they, they potentially could save on, on one of the picks. So um, I, I, you know, from my understanding, I, I guess the Memphis situation was similar to that where they were trying to get Memphis involved in the indie deal. But again, that wasn't my Intel. So I, I don't really want to speak on that. I'll say about Memphis, they've been mentioned repeatedly to me about as a team that's kind of sniffing around the Jay Crowder market. Um, and a lot of teams are curious if, Danny Green and his expiring contract is a piece that they are looking to use to find more impact help right away. I mean, Danny's said on the record on his podcast that he thinks he's going to be back by All-Star break and he feels like he'll be able to contribute to the playoff team. Um, but that's just a contract that would, in theory, work in terms of an expiring salary that, again, this is me connecting dots. I'm not saying that I – I've heard this in relation to the Lakers, but in theory, he would be an expiring contract that could go back to the Lakers who could help them come playoff time, who would not be on the books uh, for the off season um, where as you know, that they're not exactly trying to uh, uphold caps, but that was, that's at least something on their minds. And I, I think if they could, from, from from my understanding, if the Lakers can get better while – like the Patrick Beverly deal, if they can get better while keeping long-term salary or while, while only taking back short-term salary and, and nothing beyond this 2022-2023 season, that would be uh, a primary goal. But like we've also said, you can't get everything you want a lot of times in trades in order to make things happen and have things work with all teams involved. Um, Shardall. And then we'll go to Alan, and then we got to get our esteemed guest out of here to go on our nice European trip. Shardal, what's going on? Hi, uh, Jake. Hi, Jovan. It's great to be on. Please don't aggregate this um, on call-in. Um, um, <laughs> I, have, 
I have a question. So what were your guys' thoughts of the Lakers suffering a 105-75 to 75 loss at the hands of the Sacramento Kings in the Crypto.com arena? And um, also power forward Anthony Davis had 11 points, 6 assists, and 11 rebounds. He was just 5 assists away from getting his second straight triple-double in his NBA career as a professional athlete. And um, what were your thoughts on the game? And was it kind of – um? Did you find it a little upsetting um, as, you know, you two like um, like the Lakers? Or do you think that um, this is a preseason game and, you know, it's not a regular season game, it doesn't count, um, it's going to be okay? I mean, this team is really strong. Yeah, well, I think, you know, I, I default more toward the, the latter uh, mindset of it's a preseason game. I don't want to read too much into it. I mean, they, they did have a five-point lead at halftime playing their semi-regular rotation. So I, I think had you know that repeated in the second half, I, I do think they would have won the game or at least would have been a close game. Um, so I, I think it just showed that you know they have a lot of youth at the end of their bench. And what, when you know they're, they're playing, uh, I think it kind of shows you more of, of just you know how much experience kind of matters among reserves where they were I mean, there were some rookies and younger guys on the king side too but they also had some veterans out there and they definitely outplayed the lakers rookies and and younger guys so um you know darvin ham said he thinks that's a learning lesson for those guys and, and they'll watch the film and get better so i'm not too worried about that um i do think in the first half there was some things i was encouraged by i thought you know as you said anthony davis was their best player he looked really good he hit a couple threes <laughs> Um, you know, I think his shot is looking better. I thought Russ played with a good energy. He was very decisive, got to the rim a couple times for finishes, also had a few assists. Uh, you know, LeBron was rusty, but that's to be expected. I mean, he's about to be 38, year 20. Like, he, he, I don't think he's going to come up, you know, and last preseason he, he was rusty as well. So I thought the offense looked better overall. I, I think defensively there are some concerns with, with the size of the backcourt and, and just how they're going to match up with bigger teams. They did give up a bunch of offensive rebounds, and I think that's something that could be a longer-term concern for them. But um, overall, I think you know I'm really just judging the first half and and you know kind of the the rotation that we saw, and, and based on that, I think they definitely look better than last season. So um, you know it's it's game one preseason, like you know don't want to jump to conclusions either way. But I do think if anything, I, I was I left that game more encouraged based on what I saw in the first half. Let's not overcomplicate things. I think the Lakers' goals of this preseason are to a get everyone health, get get through it with everyone healthy, and b start building momentum. To and this is the, what the third year where all the preseason talk has been about running the offense through D. AD's our guy. He's the focal point. He's the linchpin. You know, and seeing him thrive in that environment, I think that's kind of what they're at least just trying to establish. While right, the games don't count. This is just tune-ups for, for the regular season, and that's kind of clearly, t- to me, what their, their pecking order of priorities are, to get, get this guy back healthy in the flow of things, in real real game action, and being productive and efficient with them. Our, our final caller today, sorry to Bilal, I'm sure it all is back in the queue for another one, but we, we got to keep things moving, unfortunately. Alan, what's going on? What's up, Jake? What's up, Johan? Pleasure to be back here. Actually, I got a couple of questions for you guys, if you guys don't mind. Um, yeah. Just to on the two first round picks for Indiana, is there any really incentive 
to uh, give those two first-round picks to Indiana if, if Turner's really just not committed and want to test free agency. And also, Bojan was worth a, one first-round pick, and media was kind of, you know, saying, uh, but he actually went for less. So what's actually going to happen to Utah for having uh, more than 15 guaranteed contracts? Well, well what, what, uh, no, you go first. Someone's worth and what they're – yeah, what someone's worth and what the asking price is is, is always different, or maybe it's not. Um, but usually it is. Like Jeremy Grant, for example, the Pistons were like kind of adamant all along from everything that they told other teams that we we're only going to move him for two set for two first round picks. Come this off season, he gets moved for a, a protected first to Portland, and he's and he's out out the door. Turner, I mean Bogdanovich too. I mean. Royce O'Neal went for a first, and Utah got that price, and then they sent him to Brooklyn like that, right? Prompts the whole famous Brian Windhorst, what's going on in Utah? Um, I mean, Bogdanovich was on, is on an expiring deal. He wants a new deal. He's had a slight injury things here and there. So was he going to get a first-round pick? Didn't really think so, but uh, he definitely went for less than I think. I mean, everyone I talked to around the league briefly about that deal were surprised at, at the lower price point for that. So with Turner, yeah, I mean, the Pacers have been wanting two first-round picks for him for forever. I mean, for, for years now since he's been a name floated on the trade market. So to give up Buddy Heald and take back Russell Westbrook's big deal just for two picks would seem to be less of a scenario than what the Pacers are, are clearly signaling that they want. But, I mean, yeah, what someone, what the asking price isn't necessarily always – um, what it turns out to be. And, and I think, honestly, it's usually not what it turns out to be because usually the asking price is just a negotiating tax. Anyway, right, Yovan? Yeah, yeah. And and I, I also think, um, you know, context is important here where, um, you know, I, I think the, the ask is going to be different depending on the team, depending on the relationships, depending on what that team can trade. Like, you know, I, I I can't really speak to what the Utah, you know, Detroit conversations were, but I know with the Lakers again, you know, everyone's asking for those two picks because they know that, you know, they know how poorly last season went for the Lakers. They they know that you know you you had, I mean, it's been clear that they've been looking to trade Russ since the last trade deadline, um, and and you had some of the drama of the offseason with with him firing his agent and him and LeBron not talking to each other publicly and interacting at summer league, like, and just with, with all that stuff, I think that did not help the Lakers leverage at all in any of these talks when it was very clear that the Lakers were coming at it from a point of desperation of, you know, we know you need to trade Russ to, you know, appease your superstars and, and get back to contending and, and just kind of, you know, fix the, the, uh, you know, environment and, you know, everything going on. So like, I think the Lakers were just having different conversations with teams than other teams are having with each other. And, you know, that there was a sense of just, you know, we're not going to do the Lakers a favor. We are going to try and get every asset out of them possible. And now again, you know, maybe the Lakers end up doing a trade for, you know, trade Russ and it's a pick and something else. And, and maybe it's a swap, maybe it's a protected pick, maybe it's two seconds. Like the, I think there are variations that could end up happening, but I think those trades w would probably happen closer to the trade deadline 
or more like, you know, closer to mid season rather than right now. I think right now people are going to continue to ask for those two picks. I think it coming out that the Lakers were considering putting the two picks on the table for Indiana, you know, that that's going to kind of be the asking price, I, I think for the time being. So it really comes down to the Lakers yeah, evaluating. <laughs> yeah. Right. So it, it comes down to just the Lakers evaluating, like, how much better does this trade make us? You know, does it eat into our cap space? Does it not? And, and you know, are we comfortable giving up the two picks for this? And, um, you know, I know internally that there's still kind of a, a debate on on whether they should or shouldn't. But for the time being, it, it you know, it appears that they're not going to. Hey, man, according to your article, LeBron and Russ weren't not talking in Vegas. Russ was just sitting next to the bench and being a good teammate and being part of things. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he did show up and, and I, I think, I think like the, the one thing I know it's been popular to, to rag on Russ, but I, I think he deserves, um, you know, he, he did show up to, to Darvin Ham's press conference. He did show up to Pat Beverly's press conference. He, he did show up to the first summer league game. Like Russ has been present and it, it's been awkward for sure at times with a lot of those events having, you know, reporting around the time of, of him potentially being moved, but you know, to his credit, he's showed up, he's had his face out there. And, um, you know, I, I think that, that, that matters. So we'll see what happens. I, you know, I, I still think that ultimately th- there will be a move at some point, but it does look like it could be another month or two, uh, maybe at a minimum uh, until they decide to pivot and, and make that deal. Last thing before you get you out of here. Thanks again. Do you, I want to yeah. give you the platform. Do you have anything to say to Malik Monk for lying to you? that he wanted to go back to the Lakers for less money when he actually <laughs> was working on a big deal with the Kings under your nose. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, I thought that was so silly, man. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, man, that was, uh, it was one of those things where like, I, I didn't necessarily believe it when he said it, but it was like, it was on the record and I, I had to ask record. the question, you, you know, would you stay for, would you stay for less money? Would you have you know, any interest or, or would it, is it as simple as you're taking the most money and, and leaving? And he gave me that quote and I, I published it, but uh, yeah, I mean, privately I had a feeling he, he, you know, money was going to talk <laughs> and he was going to go somewhere else for more money. But um, look, I, I know the Lakers, you know, were hoping, I, I, I think he, you know, th- there was some mixed Intel on the Lakers side of, of whether he was staying. Like I know some people thought he yeah. was gone, but th- there had been some, you know, so, some intel back to them that, hey, you know, he, he might resign. And, um, you know, th- th- that w- once they had kind of evaluated the taxpayer mid-level market, uh, they were kind of looking at him as like, he's, he's probably our best option and, and we want to keep him. And then yeah. he ended up leaving to Sacramento. So, yeah, uh, it was uh, <laughs> it, it, it was funny how, how that all played out. Yeah, well, look, I, I don't know everything, but from everything I heard, if the Kings offer doesn't come in, I don't know if he has a better offer. So it, it, might, it might have been one of those situations where he got lucky or, you know, the the, the stars aligned and, and the payday came. So it is what it is. Uh, anything before you get out of here you want to plug? Uh, no, just, just continue to follow my work on The Athletic. Subscribe if you have not subscribed. And follow me on all social platforms at Yovan Buha including TikTok, where I continue to post a bunch of behind-the-scenes content if you want to see what it's like to be a reporter at games and practices and whatnot. Um, I'm posting a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff there, so uh, check it out.
TikTok some Yovan uh, and uh hope to see you in person on the road sometime soon. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Appreciate you guys.